0: Has he kept you all these six months? Has he been faithful to you and your family? Somebody shout hallelujah. Come on, shout hallelujah. He's a really, really, really good God. Amen. And so we thank him. We thank him for his goodness. We thank him that he keeps us. We thank him that he's faithful no matter what. Thank him that he's faithful to us when we're not faithful to him. Thank him that he treats us better than our sins deserve. Thank him that he's given us his name, brought us into his family. Lord, we thank you tonight because you're faithful and good. Thank you, Lord, that you're the sovereign God of Israel. Thank you that you sit on the seat of this universe, and God, all power is in your hand. There is nothing you cannot do. So to our problems and our circumstances and our situations, there is nothing you can do. There is no mountain that is too high for you to work through. There is no problem too difficult for you to solve. There is nothing you cannot do. Thank you for your goodness, God. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. We got to get some things straight in here. Okay. (laughs) Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am just so glad and elated to be back with you. Um, Welcome back. It's preaching time. Uh, I want to encourage folks that are watching this online. Would you share this information? Would you share this link? Would you get the word out? We are talking about uh, rebuilding. We're in a series called Rebuild. And man, I don't know about you, but I need this in my life. I need to rebuild some things. Some things have become broken down in my life. Some things have weighed uh, itself down. There are some things that, are, that need to be rebuilt in my life, and I, don't, I, I pray to God it's the same way for you. I don't know what that is. I pray maybe it's rebuilding a calling or rebuilding a mission. Maybe it's rebuilding a relationship with parents or children. Whatever it is, I believe Nehemiah is going to help us learn and grow as people that rebuild. So you can find me in my text, Nehemiah chapter 2, and we'll look at verses 1 through 10. Don't worry about your kids making noise. That's just helping me preach. That's my amen. Amen. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1 through 10 says this. During the month of Nisan, the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was set before him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had never been sad in his presence. So the king said to me, why do you look so sad? When are you, uh, when are you, well, aren't you sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart. I was overwhelmed with fear And I replied to the king, "'May the king live forever. Why should I not be sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lays in ruin and its gates have been destroyed by fire?' Then the king asked me, "'What is your request?' So I prayed to the God of heaven and answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor with you, send me to Judah and to the city where my ancestors are buried so that I may rebuild it. The king with the queen sitting beside him asked me, how long will your journey take and when will you return? So I gave him a definite time and it pleased the king. I also said to the king, if it pleases the king, let me have letters written to the governors of the region west of the Euphrates River so that they may grant me safe passage until I reach Judah. And let me have a letter written to Asaph, keeper of the king's forest, so that he will give me timber to rebuild the gates of the temple, fortress, the city wall, and the home where I will live. The king granted my request for the gracious hand of my God was on me. I went to the governor in the region west of the Euphrates, gave them the king's letter, and the king also sent of officials of the infantry and cavalry with me. When Samballat and Horonite and Tobiah the Amorite officials heard that someone had come to pursue the prosperity of the Israelites, they were greatly displeased. I want to talk to you about three things this morning or this afternoon or this evening. Uh, From the topic, the conversation. Point one praying, planning, and anxiety. Number two, the conversation. And number three, opposition begins. Let's pray and let's jump in. Father, thank you for this book, for this time, for this church, for your people. Speak to us. We're listening. Father, I pray that you would use me to that end, that you would speak your truth to your people. And we thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you were here last week or tuned in last week, um, we were talking about Nehemiah. Nehemiah is a cupbearer who is in uh, exile in Persia. And what's happening here is God is going to use this regular man to do a phenomenal task. So he's going to begin to to go back and rebuild the walls that have been broken down. When he finds out about this in chapter 1, he is distraught. He is in pain. He is in agony. And what's happening is, is because those are his people, God gives him a burden. And last week we asked this question, what is the burden that God has given you? What is the thing that he's laid on you that you cannot shake? And so what he begins to do is he begins to fast and he begins to pray And he begins to get before God, and in that getting before God, he does what we did earlier. He repents. He repents of his personal sins, and he repents of the sin of the people. And as he's engaging in this prayer with God, he gets his assignment for what he wants to do. He wants to lead this charge to rebuild the walls. Now, between chapter 1 and chapter 2, some four months have passed. What I want to begin to do in this first point is begin to draw some attention to what happened in the four months that passed between chapter 1 and chapter 3, or, or chapter 2. And Here's one thing that we can conclude, is in those four months, Nehemiah is praying and fasting. So I want to say to you, whether you are rebuilding uh, some project, maybe you're, rebuilt, you're, you're going back to school, or you're going back to school again, or or man, you just want to renew your spiritual life with the Lord, or there's something that you want to rebuild in your life, whatever that is. Maybe you want to rebuild a relationship with your family member or your spouse, whatever that is. Man, the first thing we, I want to turn our attention to is how Nehemiah spends time in prayer. And one of the things that I think hinder us from spending time in prayer is we believe we can do better than God. We believe these are things that we can solve, and if we can just get the right information, if we can just try harder or work harder, we can figure these things out ourselves. But Nehemiah helps us as a leader. Maybe you're a leader and you run your own business or you have your own nonprofit or you're a leader in your corporation or your organization. You need to understand, even in your leadership, even as people look to you for information, you cannot do this by yourself and you need the hand of God to be with you, Nehemiah prays. He doesn't eat. He puts away his plate, and he prays. Something happens when we pray. Something moves when we pray, when we get before God. God does something on our behalf that we cannot explain otherwise. God hears us when we pray. That's good news for you to be reminded. You are not talking to the ceiling and your prayer is coming back down. God hears you when you pray. So he calls his people to pray. Do you pray? Is praying more than just a good idea or a spiritual activity. Is prayer part of how you function. When I pray, I got to stop everything else. And I got to settle myself and spend time with God. And when I'm doing that, I'm demonstrating my dependence on him. Is stuff going crazy in your life? If you're like me, the answer is unequivocally yes. So we pray. Nehemiah prays. But he's also moving very, very intentionally. Four months pass. So while he's waiting to have this conversation with the king, what does he do in these four months? Good question. He's not just praying, he's also planning. The first thing we see here is in those four months, Nehemiah does not quit his job. He just says, I'm waiting on the Lord. God's gonna answer. He he, he doesn't cease to serve as he waits. He still takes this posture of a servant, and he's serving the king faithfully while he's waiting and praying and planning about what's coming next. He doesn't just keep serving. He's, he, he's planning. He's considering his own gifts. He's thinking about how am I going to rally people? to do this thing God's called me to do. I've been relating a lot to uh, seven years ago when we planted the church, and and one of the questions I'm asking during years, actually, of of, of planning and preparing in my mind, and then nine months of preparing with people, how am I going to rally people? Where are people going to come from? Who's going to serve on this team? How is this thing going to work? He has to be planning and, and asking real questions. He could be asking questions like, How am I going to cast a large enough vision to rebuild the walls of a nation? Could be asking questions like, what do I do when the haters show up? Because you and I both know the haters always show up. He's doing all of this planning. He's doing this praying. But he does not do this without fear or anxiety. He's planning. He's praying. He's preparing But it's not like we're just looking at this giant of a leader in Nehemiah and there's no fear. I love that the Bible points out Nehemiah is very afraid. I love that because it makes Nehemiah human. Now I can not just look at him as this superhero, but this real man that has this large vision, but is dealing with some real anxieties. He seeks to play that vision out. So we can be wrestling In our time of praying and planning and strategy and rallying people and casting a vision, you could be doing all of that and just saying stuff like, man, I don't know how this thing is going to work. I got my own fears and anxiety about this. I struggle with doubt even as I'm leading. Footnote, there are no leaders that don't struggle with doubt. Parents, you're going to struggle with doubt. Community leaders, you're going to struggle with doubt. Christian, you're going to struggle with doubt, but that does not mean we do not lean into our doubts and doubt our doubts and trust our Savior. God wants him to rebuild. What are you going to rebuild? Whatever it is, get the picture in your mind. We asked you last week, what are you going to rebuild? Get the picture in your mind. Whatever you're picturing you're going to doubt about. It's not going to be perfect. So we got to lean into our fears and not be paralyzed by them. Nehemiah could be asking questions like this. What if I start this thing and waste my life? What if I do this and I'm wasting time and I know time is valuable. Time is that thing that I can't get back. I don't want to waste my time, so I don't even want to do this. And so instead of doing the thing God's calls us to lean into, we hide behind, but what if I waste my time? I don't have time to waste as if you control tomorrow. Now, I love this this humility of Nehemiah because he's asking real questions, and I'm thankful that our God has real answers. Here's the thing that I want to press into nehemiah does not allow his fear or anxiety to paralyze him he keeps moving in spite of his anxiety and you will never see the fulfillment of what you're desiring to rebuild if you don't keep moving into your anxiety it only gets clearer as you move I was with some, uh, this cohort today, this amazing cohort that I'm a part of here at the church, and, and, and one brother used this analogy. He said, Rodney, sometimes it's like I'm looking at a television, but it's fuzzy and it's snowy, and I can see shapes and objects, but I can't see clearly. And what I want to do, I want to see it in HD. I want to see it in 4K, but I can't make out what I'm seeing. And many times with, 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 with what God's given us, it's fuzzy. We, we, we can't make it out. And here's what I want to say to you. It doesn't get clearer as you sit there and look at the fuzziness. It's not until you start taking steps that it becomes clearer on the thing that God's called you to do. It's only as you move closer into that thing that things become more clearer for you to discern. Nehemiah moves into his fear. He doesn't let his fear paralyze him. Your journey, beloved, is going to require faith. So now we get to the conversation. I love this. Verse four says this, the, uh, the, uh, or actually let's go back before he even has this conversation with the king. I love what the Bible says. The Bible says, Nehemiah prays and speaks. I thought that was cold-blooded. Nehemiah prays and speaks. It's as if he's doing those two things together. Here's what's happening. He is not just sitting down and kneeling down and having his quiet time with God and then getting ready to go to the king. Because the king noticed that he's sad, so he's like, what's wrong? The Bible says, Nehemiah prays and speak. In other words, this is a, a, a Nehemiah is sliding into God's DM. Snap, he just, he, he noticed that I'm sad and I need help. What do I say There's not always time for you to go have this segregated prayer time with God. Sometimes I am praying, help, Lord, as I'm speaking. Lord, help. Lord, this situation is too confusing. I don't know what to do. I've never seen this happen before. I feel like I'm running out of time. I feel like I'm running out of resources. I feel like it's too late. I feel like I'm too old. I feel like I can't do it anymore. Lord, help. And I'm praying this way as I'm stepping into the thing God's called. Not stepping away from it. We're far too tempted to step away when God's calling us to step into. And he prays to the God of heaven. And then look what he says. If it pleases the king, your servant has found favor with you. Send me to Judah, to the city of my ancestors, are buried so that I may rebuild it. This is just phenomenal to me. This is just amazing to me because Nehemiah gets to a place where he's going to go and step into this conversation with this king. I don't know if you've had that conversation with an employer, with a supervisor, or maybe you're going to a bank for a loan to start this business. Or you're, maybe you're dreaming about something, or maybe it's a professor or a guidance counselor that you've got to have this important meeting with. He's having this important meeting, and he prays, and then he just goes for it. I love it. He takes his shot, and he doesn't say, um, listen, um, man, I just want to go back and rebuild. He doesn't do that. He says, let the king live forever. He, 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 He knows how to say it. He doesn't just say it. He knows how to say it. Let the king live forever. In other words, he understands that he needs to honor where he is before he gets to his next place. And sometimes we do too much work on sabotaging where we are while we're trying to get to our next place. And you burn bridges that you're going to need later on because you don't know how to speak properly. You don't know how to show honor. So wherever God has you, show honor to the people above you. Show honor to your supervisors. Show honor to your parents. Show honor to the people that are, what they don't deserve, my honor. I'm not talking about what they deserve. I'm talking about how you should talk. You show honor to the people over you. Let the king live forever. Okay, now, here's what I want. Now, some of us, I remember my brother, he hooked me up, uh, this was years ago, with a guy that had a lot of money, lived on the town of Palm Beach, and he said, Rod, you know, you church planning, you should holler at him, see if he can help fund the mission. And I walk in this guy's office, and I'm, I didn't prepare well. I did not prepare well. I did not know what I was walking into. I should have Googled him. I should have done my research. I did not do my research. I'm just being painfully honest, and I just walk up to him. I'm, I'm, I don't even think I was dressed the part that I should have been dressed the part to, because I'm like, okay, brother, connect me. Let me just walk up and see what I can do. I was, I was trying to wing it, if you will. I was trying to say, Rodney, you've done this before. You can talk about the church and so on and so forth. And so I get to this guy and I walk in his office. His office is overlooking uh, the town of Palm Beach and the Intercoastal. He has statues and pictures and all these beautiful things in his office. And he gets to this point and we're talking to him, telling him about the church. And he says, Well, what do you want? I said, Oh, no, what, what do I want? Um, and I'm like, I froze off that question. I didn't have it together. I did, I could not articulate clearly what I even wanted. That is not, Nehemiah is not your pastor. The king asked Nehemiah, Well, what do you want? Nehemiah was like, I'm so glad you asked. Nehemiah starts saying, listen, uh, first off, here's the big picture, here's the big vision, I wanna rebuild walls, that's what I wanna do. I wanna leave this job, I want you to fund it, and I wanna go rebuild walls, that's crazy. He says, while I'm gone, I want letters too that give me permission to move and to travel in a way that is safe. I want you to uh, give letters so when I go places, they just give me stuff for free. He cast this phenomenal vision for rebuilding the walls. He asks for access to the king's personal force so that he can get timber to rebuild. He asks for safe travel as he's moving so he gets there in safety. And here's what I want us to think about as we think about rebuilding our lives. Here's the question what if God asks you this question? What do you want? Do you know? You know what you want. And here's the deal. If you're honest, some of us are saying, you know what, I really don't know what I want. Maybe we don't want enough. Maybe we have confused wanting things with idolatry, so we just stay in a place that God may be trying to call us out of, but we've already talked ourselves out of it. What do you want? What do you want for yourself, for your family, for your children, for your walk with the Lord? What do you want your devotional life to look like? What do you want the ministry to look like that God's put on the inside of you? What do you want that non to look like? What do you want? And if you don't know it's cool, let's plan. And just find out what you want. Find out why you want it. Because motivation is Everything. Nehemiah says, I want to do this this thing that God has burdened me to do. I want to rebuild walls, not just for myself, but for others. I want to rebuild walls. And I'm going to have to leave your job to do it. The king asks an interesting question. He says, how long are you going to be gone? In other words, I don't want to lose you because you're a phenomenal worker. I believe at every job there are some people that leave, and people weep and they cry. No, they throw parties for them. Don't go. Second guess it. Are you sure you want to do that? Then there are other people, they say they go on. Nobody says nothing. <laughs> All right. Praying for you. So, you know, that's not Nehemiah. The king is saying, you're, you're, you're valuable to me. How long you're going to be going? Nehemiah tells him, and then, ne- and then the king funds Nehemiah's dream, or what he wants to do. He gives him a couple of things. He says he's going to give him authority, right, to go and to rebuild. Nehemiah gets to go in the, in, in the king's name, and then Nehemiah gets the king's provision. And as I was thinking about this, it took me right back to the Great Commission. Jesus says in Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Then he says, go and make disciples. We have authority from Jesus to go and make disciples. We, we get to go in his name. He says in verse 19, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We get to go in his name. And then we have God's safety and his provision. Look what he says in verse 20. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded of you, and surely I am with you always, even until the end of the age. So you may say, well, Rodney, I'm not there talking to this king, and, and the king didn't tell me I can go away and do this thing and give me his resources and give me his stuff, but you've been resourced by King Jesus. You've been sent to go in his name. You have been given his authority. You have his provision, and lo, he is with you, so we can go. We can go and do things that honor his name and glorify our Father in heaven. Last point. Opposition begins. I think it's important for us as we seek to rebuild and restructure. Even as a church, there are things we are rebuilding and we are restructuring. This year started out great for us and we were running out the track and then March hit and we were like, what? And you have to move stuff to the side and some things you're waiting on and some things you just can't do anymore because you're in this rebuilding process. But one of the things to remember, you are in a fight. And just because you wake up in the morning and say, I'm deciding to rebuild, I'm deciding to serve no matter what, I'm deciding to pray and, and my devotional life is going to be amazing. Don't think you won't have opposition. People will fight. People will stand Against you. People will scandalize your name. I don't even know if that's something that folks say. That's just what my mom used to say growing up. She would say, Rodney, right they're scandalizing my name. I, whatever. Um, but you're going to have your haters. You're going to have people that seek to, to, to hinder what God has placed in your heart. And, and, and right now, in our passage, I just want you to be aware that they are there. Because some of us have visions that say this. Man, this vision is so amazing. Who would stand against it? Same way God has called us to be disciples. The enemy has people that he will send your way to knock you off course, to hinder God's plan for you, to not let the vision he's put inside of you, come out. And so how do we deal with opposition? Nehemiah is going to teach us throughout the book. But here's one thing that Nehemiah does just in this, in, in this text, the, right, the text right after it. Nehemiah says when he starts, he keeps his vision in his heart. And as you are starting to rebuild, it may not be the time to shout that from the rooftop. Sometimes you need to keep what God is doing in your heart until it's time for it to come out. Because everybody that hears it won't be for it. Everybody that hears it won't be for it. And so as you, it's not like they, make no mistake, we don't fear our opposition. Because they can't stop us. They just seek to distract us and hinder us. And so man, as we think about this, whatever that looks like for you, Whatever God's calling you to press into, lean into, whatever that is, I want you to remember the same God that put this in your heart is the same God that sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And he had his opposition and he had people that fought against him, but he persevered until the end. I could think about the Garden of Gethsemane when, when all betrayed him, when his disciples wouldn't pray with him. He didn't let that stop him from his mission. And he continued, even though it was hard and arduous. He took this rebuilding project of humanity because we were broken in our sins all the way to the cross to solidify and to seal our redemption.